This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 111, about Gotham A Dark Knight, season 4, episode 9, Let Them Eat Pie. This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Renee Montoya on Gotham. Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Christmas Allen on Gotham. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor. I'm David Mazuz. Hey, Gotham TV podcast listeners. This is Maggie Gia, otherwise known as Poison Ivy. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV podcast. Chop, chop, Gothamites. This is episode nine of Gotham season four, where we are looking at letting the elite Eat pie, or let them eat pie, as the episode title is. This is the 111th episode of Gotham TV Podcast, and I am one of your pigs in blankets, John. I'm your other host, Derek. Yeah, it could be the 111st if you're a Lord of the Rings fan. Exactly, yeah. 111th. I can never say it as Ian Holm said it as Bilbo Baggins in Lord of the Rings. It was 111st, yeah. It's 111 First, okay, grand. There we go. Uh, it is all wrapped up. That mystery that has plagued me since uh, the Lord of the Rings was released back in what two thousand and two or something, or like nineteen forty-eight, if it was the book. Yes, uh, yes. Welcome back to our coverage of Gotham TV podcast, not uh, Lord of the Rings TV podcast, but that may be coming soon. You hear Amazon have confirmed they're going to do a multi-season deal for a Lord of the Rings TV series, John. I did. I was very excited about it. Yeah. I think as a, as our Lord of the Rings resident fan, I think you might uh, have to lead that podcast. That'd be quite I cool. think I might. Hmm, interesting. Uh, that's future plans, possibly. Uh, this time we're here to talk about Gotham at uh, season four, episode nine, Let Them Eat Pie. Fun one this time. Yeah, really fun and actually really good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed this, this episode very much. And I think if you are enjoying our episodes of the coverage, please head on over to Apple Podcasts at gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes, or you can head over to Google Play and, of course, any other good or evil podcast catcher that you use. Please head on over, subscribe to the podcast, and, of course, share the love, leave a rating, review us. All comments are really welcome. We still have... Season 4's competition, which is the event, the line, the scene, the character of the week. Um, it's really good to hear your thoughts on what is making you buzz this season of Gotham. And anyone who comes in with their moment of the week uh, will head into our Season 4 competition mm-hmm. for Gotham goodies. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to go to any of the podcast catchers, as John said, just pop on over to our website at gothamtvpodcast.com. There's loads of links on there for all the good and evil podcast catchers that you can subscribe to us in. Uh, loads of great options in there. But I think with that, Derek, on with our spoiler-filled review of Episode 9 of Gotham, mm-hmm. Let Them Eat Pie. Derek, what are some of the episode details for this? Yes, this episode was directed by Nathan Hope, who's done three episodes of Gotham before. He's done uh, Heroes Rise, Destiny Calling last season, uh, did Mad City, Follow the White Rabbit, and did uh, Red Hood back in season one, what we thought was going to be the uh, first appearance of 
the original version of the Joker, but uh, turned out to be the gang that he eventually joins. Uh, their appearance in Gotham uh, came in the first season. So really cool stuff that he's been involved in. Yeah, when I saw that, I had really high hopes because I loved the Red Hood episode from season one. Mm-hmm. I loved how they brought in this Joker mythos uh, into Gotham in a real subtle way. I mean, maybe not so subtle with them all wearing big red hoods, but <laughs> nonetheless, it was a nice way of introducing who or what might be the Joker into uh, this Gotham universe. Yeah. And I absolutely adored uh, Follow the White Rabbit from season three. I have to say it really was good to see uh, that uh, episode with Mad Hatter. Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, but since we've been working very hard, Nathan Hope over on uh, Lucifer has done six episodes of that series so far. Must check that out. It's another uh, another DC property, a character kind of brought to life in the in the DC universe, Vertigo Comics by Neil Gaiman. So uh, another slight DC property. But we've watched a couple episodes of that uh, a couple of years ago, but haven't been able to catch up on it. Hopefully, uh, we'll get back to that and see what Nathan's been doing over there. Yeah, definitely. And this episode was written by Atura Sosa, a first-time writer on Gotham. Hasn't uh, written any episodes before. Great to have her on board. Um, she did direct and write both The Florist and Chance, two of her own productions. So really excited to see what she's given us in this episode. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. As Harvey packs up his office, the former solid partnership crumbles as betrayal and tension hangs heavy between the two detectives, Jim and Harvey Bullock. Elsewhere, in an abandoned paper mill, Professor Pig continues to torment Gotham City and Jim Gordon, as his new culinary activities intends to send a message to the elite of Gotham. The Wayne annual camping tradition, where they leave a stone at the cairn on Mount Bristol, is not a happy affair. Alfred tries to support Bruce through the day as he continues to be haunted by the murder of Rachel Ghoul, but a petulant and dismissive Bruce shuns Alfred's help for a party in Wayne Manor that leaves a bitter aftertaste between Bruce and Alfred. Sophia gets ready for a fundraiser on behalf of the orphanage, but as Penguin's suspicions of her continue to grow, he entrusts a young agent to keep a silent but watchful eye on her. As the fundraiser kicks off, things don't go as planned when Professor Pig shows up as the chef to force a tasty treat on the power brokers of Gotham. Vive la revolution! As he holds them to account, Jim thwarts his plan and the pig is captured. Stymied, if you will. However, as the dust settles on events, the Penguin spy reports a new piece of information to Oswald that will have ramifications for Jim and Sophia. Yeah, so uh, a lot going on in this episode. Some great storytelling here, I think, across the three main arcs between Penguin and Sophia with Martine, as well as Alfred and uh, Bruce, Mm -hmm. and of course then with Harvey, Jim, but also with the pig. Um, what a great character he is. But I think we should get into our top five case notes here. Mm-hmm. So Derek, what's our first case note? First case note, Harvey and Jim. Yeah, the final breakup of their relationship. That's uh, that's quite interesting. Harvey's packing up all of his stuff from his former captaincy in uh, in Gotham after that accusation last week where he was effectively saying to Jim that there's going to be hell to pay for him because he obviously got into the position of captain on the help of someone else in Gotham and nothing's ever free in Gotham. What we hear is that uh, Harvey's going to go off on a possibly permanent sabbatical from the GCPD. He's been given a leave of absence after the murder that happened. Uh, and Jim says, there's always a place for you here in the GCPD. But he says he doesn't want to return if Jim's in charge. 
Absolutely, but it was so personal. I thought this was a really kind of nice little wrap up of the events that have gone on between these two over the last two, three episodes uh, with uh, Jim's replacement of Harvey in the captain's chair. It, it, it really is this idea that, you know, Jim's going, I hadn't intended on it going down like this, but mm-hmm. as Harvey says, we are where we are and, and this is how it's happening. And so, there seems to have been a real disintegration, uh, certainly from Harvey's side, that he really has got no time for Jim here now. Uh, and I think, as you rightly said, it really hits home where Jim offers a place back on the force after he's come back from this, you know, indefinite uh, leave of absence from from the GCPD. And he kind of says, you know, if I came back, I'd have to see your face every day at that desk. And he goes, no thanks, and yeah. walks out. I mean, this is really sort of almost definitive stuff here between these two. You know, will this partnership, this professional partnership and friendship, will it ever be repaired as we know it on Gotham? Um Likely it will, or will it ever be the same? I suppose is the more important thing, and I suspect not. Yeah. Um, I think this may have tainted the Harvey and Jim partnership uh, beyond all recognition. And whilst there may be a thawing, it will never really, truly get back to where it was before. I think it's only a little sort of aspect of this episode. It's right at the start before the Gotham. Uh, main title shows up but it is a really um significant piece of the story of these two to wrap that up uh, and again i think this shows were um both ben mckenzie and donald logue have really stood up to the plate here uh with regards to um showing this this break of trust uh, between these two friends Absolutely. in the GCPD. I think excellent stuff. Yeah, it'd be a real shame not to see Harvey back in the GCPD in future. But yeah, there's definitely a break here. Uh, definitely going to be a lot of work to get Harvey and Jim back on the same uh, on the same foot uh, together, working together again. Um, is this just Jim is now on his path to becoming Commissioner of Gotham now, so he does have to leave behind Harvey as his partner? Is that all this story is about now? Um, or will they eventually make up and come back together. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, Let's get on to case note two, John. The poor and the rich. Yes, Gotham is being split in two by Professor Pig between the haves and the have-nots, between the piggy haves and the piggy have-nots. And yeah, I I like this. I like him dressing up. You know, we've seen him as the master of disguise before, as the um, injured cop. He really does like to dress up and here we have him dressing up as a priest handing out scrumptious looking donuts yeah. to the um homeless of Gotham but it is a plan because he wants to use these homeless people to make poor people pies I know <laughs> yes <laughs> oh, the, the triple p of culinary delights really um yeah so he poisons them or he knocks them out and of course begins to um take out the juiciest bits from their body cavities to make into um gourmet pies and of course he has a plan for these pies pies are nothing without a plan of course um coming from the north of england um pies (laughs) are very central to the culture there but yeah these pies 
um, are going to send a message to the rich of Gotham at the future date, which we'll come on to in one of our other case notes. But he has here, vive la revolution. He keeps sending messages to the GCPD here uh, as uh, two of the homeless corpses are being eaten by pigs, which he has left right outside the GCPD. Um, how the cops w- didn't get suspicious of a sort of fur ground tent being erected outside their headquarters mm-hmm. uh, with two dead people and a load of trotters going in. Um, it's all the paperwork the police officers have to do. They're just stuck inside until they get a call to run out, which is what happens with Jim here. Uh, really interesting point that uh, that Claire Payne pointed out over on our Facebook group about this scene is that the guy who calls out that pig is eating that man there is chewing down on a hot dog himself, which is quite interesting. So sort of pig product that he's eating while the pigs are eating the uh, the guys in the Viva la Revolution tent. Exactly how the tables have turned. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a human dog or a hot human, but that's something else, I suppose. Um, <laughs> see, all fantasy is catered for here on Gotham TV Podcast. Uh, but yeah, he he's... Preparing these people um, for his pie filling uh, in an abandoned paper mill. And he does get interrupted by Jim and Detective Harper as uh, obviously Lucius Fox has determined, done a bit of forensics, that they are homeless people, that their insides are being taken out, but they don't know for what purpose, mm-hmm. but that they're covered in a residue of chemicals that is linked to the paper making process. Yes. So they head on down to the the abandoned paper mill. I love how the style of Gotham really treats these spaces like a horror movie. You know, they're very dark inside. There's some really um, deep contrast in the lighting. Yeah. Um, It's eerie. You know, there's people on corpses. There's, um, you know, a boiling stove. There's a smoldering barbecue. And, um, yeah, they, they hear a noise. But we have here then Harper getting taken hostage after being stabbed by Professor Pig. And... I love the chit chat between Jim and Pig. You know, we, we had that moment, um, from a couple of episodes ago where, um, Professor Pig is on the phone to Jim saying that you are my muse. Mm-hmm. And he's been interrupted too early by Jim. And he says, you found me too soon, James Gordon. Uh, the table is not yet set. You must witness my final act. He really is doing this or is driven by, by James Gordon. I think there is a lot more admiration of Professor Pig for Jim Gordon as well that we yeah. see uh, later on in the episode as well. Yeah, it's definitely a couple of moments that he kind of talks about Jim Gordon being a great detective because we do see that here. It's also really nice to see him par- partnered with a competent member of the G- GCPD now again uh, in Detective Harper. Uh, she does seem like a, a proper detective and throughout these scenes I was getting some real flashbacks to Hannibal. Um, there's loads of moments in this episode that seem to be pointing to the fact that obviously Pig is trying to make people into cannibals by cooking the homeless into these pies and serving them to them. So it does really feel like what Hannibal was trying to do throughout the series of his show, where he's making these beautiful looking and beautiful tasting food from the bodies of humans. That's quite interesting that, that they're taking that kind of cue for Pig and it makes them all the scarier. Absolutely. And I think with that, we should probably go on to our third case point. Mm-hmm. Um, the fundraiser with pies and the musical theater piggy um this to me was absolutely fantastic i loved everything about it i think chop chop 
Gotham meat pies, your guests will die for them. You know, I think here we see Professor Pig as an absolute star of this episode. And oh, yes. Where he is doing his musical number with Martine on the triangle, which I have to say was just superb. Where Ever. he, he runs through his numbers and at the end of each kind of, uh, part of it, it's just the, the ting from the, from, uh, Martine's triangle. Made me laugh every time. <laughs> Definitely. Again, he's in costume again, dressed up as a French chef. You know, you hear Sophia saying, there's something odd with the chef. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's gone from Huit cuisine to what does he say? Um, a, a food more mundane with the humble pie. And, uh, yes, uh, they look tasty. They also look like a pig's face. Yes. I think which that was, was really, really cool. Yeah. I like that um, idea. You know, loved, really good. I loved his musical number in here. It's, uh, it's meat pie tango, as he calls <laughs> it, which is a, a play on, on cell block tango from the musical Chicago, um, which I really liked the idea that they're using a, a very famous musical. With Professor Pig's little spin on it. Uh, great fun. But yeah, Martin definitely on the triangle was a highlight for me as he, uh, as he hits it every time after each stanza. Absolutely. I think as well, it's not to underestimate the, the design production of that pig's head on, um, Professor Pig. Mm. I think it's really wonderful how it works with it as a mask. It just looks really good. And I think the one thing that really stood out to me in this is because Professor Pig is spotlighted throughout the uh, meat pie tango. The use of his eyes, they are so big and psychotic looking. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's chucking around that meat cleaver. Um, and of course, we find out again that someone really doesn't like hands in the writer's room Absolutely. at Gotham. <laughs> As Sophia gets um, some kind of sh- sharp, pointy thing slammed by by pig through um through her through her hand and it's used again then by penguin because he doesn't like the way one of the elite of gotham is talking about martine as a simple street kid who can be disposed of by professor pig when martine is getting threatened yeah so penguin takes it out of sophia's hand because it's still there and plants it firmly in the top of the head of the posh guy who sat next to him. Yeah. Uh, really, uh, I mean, it really is violent stuff, but it, it works so well, I think, here. Yeah, I know what you mean. That is a really interesting moment where effectively this older member of Gotham Society is, is saying, well, this is just one orphan. What does he mean to us when it's the eight of us that have to sit here and eat the dead bodies of homeless people from the narrows? You know, it, it's... It seems like an easy choice for him to say, just kill the kid. Who cares? But this is Penguin's protege. This is his new love in his life, effectively, the thing that he's pouring his, uh, his whole life and soul into his chicken, if you will, as we, uh, as we found out last week. But it's a really interesting idea. That's why he gets killed. Uh, and what we, what we work out here is after all this time, we now know the reason why Professor Pig has been going on the attack in the city is because of Pax Panguina. It's because of the licenses that, that the Penguin has been given out to the criminals of Gotham. He's effectively saying to them, 
you are the worst of every human in this city. Because of you, you've been feeding on the poor. You've been feeding on everybody in the city. Yeah, I think he says you fed on the heart, lungs, and liver of Gotham. Mm-hmm. So why shouldn't you now eat the the heart, liver, and lungs of the people that have been affected by Pax Penguina, effectively. Exactly. That's exactly. the thing. The atmosphere that he creates around this table is truly frightening. It's really well done. I think it's, you know, it's interspersed with the humor of the meat pie tango and Martine on triangle. Uh, but it's just really, really good. We also know as the, the audience beforehand that Jim has managed to track uh, him down again and I love that he has this admiration for Jim where he says you truly are an impressive officer mm-hmm. as he smacks him over the back of the head uh, with a frying pan which was comedy gold as well <laughs> how Jim woke up from that I will never know you always wake up from a frying pan to the back of the head definitely but again because of the ingenuity of Harper where she goes these idiots didn't even think to search me uh, she's got a knife on her which allows Jim to escape from their barricaded in room in the orphanage uh, he gets out so that Jim is able to go and confront Pig in a fantastic fight yeah I loved how um, Nathan Hope the director of the episode kept slowing down the camera as they were fighting I thought that was really cool just yeah. to show that it is actually Professor Pig and Jim Gordon fighting in this scene um, it seems like a great way to show off some skills that the two of them have learned uh, yeah. so it's cleavers at dawn versus uh, versus knife yeah and i mean professor pig was shooting knives from his he kind of had that really cool waistcoat that had mm-hmm. knives all over it it's like I a butcher's jacket yeah i love the slow-mo of the cleaver heading towards jim as he ducks out the way but i mean ultimately here pig and jim have such bad table manners <laughs> and they destroy uh, the table layout in a really great great fight um which ultimately sees pig he he meets his match it truly has led to his ham being boiled um he really has been uh, finally put out for christmas yeah. dinner i think here <laughs> and he gets captured but it's a great fight um i must say there was the, you know the 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 moment where jim has an uncomfortable a goldfinger moment with the the meat cleaver between his legs mm-hmm. could be very dangerous absolutely i'm sure they felt a slight breeze at that moment <laughs> but certainly um he he manages to utilize the the pointy knife from the head of the rich person mm-hmm. uh, and dispatch professor pig I also loved Jim's use of the tray as he moved up and along the table, blocking the knives being thrown at him, and then a cleaver blocking that, and then eventually Pig gets it off him so that he's free and clear for another attack. I think that's really cool. It's very odd to say that Pig underestimated Jim. It feels like he just didn't think that Jim would get to him before this point, and I think he always expected to be captured by the GCPD at some point because he respects Jim so much and because he believes in him as a police officer. But it is interesting that he does say a few times in this episode, you really are a great police officer or you got here too soon. So he doesn't seem to have the realization that Jim is a great cop. If you leave him any kind of clues, he's going to follow them down and get you quickly, you know. Um, but I like, I love this fight. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, really good. I love throughout this episode how the press are reacting to Jim as well as the new, ca- new captain of the GCPD. What we find is at the beginning, as usual with the press, they seem to even know more about the situation than anybody should in in these situations. They know that Harper's been captured. They know that the homeless people have been cooked. They know all about this. 
But then I love at the end of the episode, after Pig's been captured and put into the police car, they come to him and say thank you, off camera, away from journalism, as citizens of Gotham, they tell Jim thank you. So finally, he has actually gotten through to the citizens of Gotham that this kind of stuff can't stand. You have to go along with uh, along with the GCPD. And if you do, then we're able to take down these types of criminals. So nice little moment with the press there who have been in the past have just been reporting on what's going on and sharing information and building up people like the mayor. Now it seems like they're starting to come around on the side of the GCPD, which is a lovely moment to see, especially after that conversation with Harvey. Definitely. Um, but I think with that, on to case note four. It's bad party Bruce oh, here. Yeah. Um, yes, Bruce becomes the teenage douchebag we feared. Um, and he has some really harsh words for Alfred. I mean, this is done really, really well. It makes you kind of feel broken at what's happening between these two characters. Yeah. Um, you know, Bruce has gotten up on the wrong side of the bed. He's having a really bad breakfast moment. Alfred is saying you've forgotten uh, what the day is about with this traditional camping trip that Bruce and his father, Thomas Wayne, used to go every year mm-hmm. to the top of Mount Bristol to to leave a rock on the cairn there. It's the one we saw back in season one as well, when Alfred took him up there for the first time. Yes. And he doesn't want to go. He does know what day it is. He's asking for his phone. I mean, it seems like proper teenage sort of uh, hormonal moments going on here. <laughs> well, he's discovered booze and drinking and partying with his friend Tommy Elliott now. Um, this is something that you kind of should be expecting from Bruce. A lot of times we've complimented David Mazous over the years, right back from when he was a kid. We've complimented him how adult he is and how, how well he acts with other adults around. It's the same for Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne has never had the opportunity to be just a kid. He's always had to take on the responsibility of an entire household while Alfred has been the one supporting him all the way along, he is Bruce Wayne of Wayne Manor. He is the one that's trying to take over the legacy. So it's always been a bit of a surprise that he's never acted out like teenagers do. It's horrible to see it. This is my least favorite version of Bruce, I must say. It's the one I want to hit so hard every time he speaks back to Alfred. Unfortunately, he's also a trained killer now, um, who would probably be able to stop me pretty quickly if I wanted to give him a bit of a slap for uh, for his reaction to Alfred. As you say, it's the least likable Bruce, but yeah. it's so good that they've put this version of him, that he is also still growing up as a, a young adult, a teenager, you know, because it makes sense. You know, you would expect that to happen. So for it not to be in the show would seem weird. Absolutely. Uh, and I really like how it, it pans out where ultimately he goes with Alfred up to the top of Mount Bristol, but he's being so petulant here and so dismissive of Alfred's attempt to, to support him because of him killing Rachel Ghoul. Um, I think he does call him rash at, at the end a real really weird phrase in which he uses but yeah bruce calls him reish um that's how he pronounces his alcohol it's reish ah okay well that will explain it definitely mm. but you know alfred is talking about how him and thomas met how they you know alfred was a bit of a lad bit of a vagabond saved by thomas and mm. bruce really is isn't interested it is eyes to the sky it's head in the phone um kind of feeling you get from from bruce he's being really dismissive 
you know, we see this new side uh, to Bruce. And ultimately, what happens is, is so heart destroying um, to say that, you know, you and I are nothing alike. Um, you didn't kill Rachel Ghoul. You know, you can stop trying to be my father and be my butler instead. Now clean this place up. And you're just like, poor, poor Alfred. You know, this new side of Bruce that is, is down with Tommy Elliot. It's party Bruce. It's also petulant Bruce. Um, and it's really, it's really good to see, but, difficult to, to watch as yes. well you yeah. know um, but I, I thought this was really good absolutely speaking of Tommy Elliot that moment where he stands up to Alfred and trying to convince him to step off and to get away from his master Bruce effectively as as Alfred responds to him going you don't know what extreme danger you are in standing there get out of the house basically yeah and I- that's a moment showing you Alfred and his power he's not going to use that on Bruce that's not what he's there for, Bruce is his charge, Bruce is his friend, and Bruce is his son at times. I'm sure every single parent has gone through this moment. Alfred has treated Bruce over the five years now that they've been together alone. He's treated him as a son and has been able to give him effectively an anecdote or a story from his life that's been able to guide Bruce. So again, as a teenager, you don't want to be told what to do, no matter how good that advice is. You sometimes want to make your own mistakes and want to, you know, go outside of the lines sometimes. So this is where Bruce's attitude is coming from, this thing of, you can't just tell me another story that you know exactly what I'm going through. You didn't kill Rachel Ghoul. I did. Don't give me another story that just says... And let's just carry on like we did the day before. You need to let me deal with this my own way. And Alfred's not willing to do it, which is where it comes from. But again, yeah, yeah. some of the most difficult scenes to watch when I love these two characters together so much. Definitely. Really good. And I think to our final case note, Penguin and Sophia and Martine. Yes. Yes. I loved uh, this kind of little spiring that Penguin had set up a spiring of one, but I, I loved how, you know, he's still massively suspicious of Sophia. Mm-hmm. Sophia knows this. Penguin is really pushing her to kind of own up, but he uses Martine, um, against her so that not only does Martine prove his loyalty to, to Penguin and spy on Sophia, but also because Penguin gets to know whether Martin was groomed by Sophia to manipulate him or whether it was just simply he was a group of children brought into the orphanage um, and he was just the one that attached himself to Oswald by his own volition. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, Martin is an innocent player in that particular scenario. I loved uh, Martin in this, both from the triangle but him getting dressed up like a mini penguin. So cool. So, so good. Uh, spying on Sophia. And I, again, you know, Sophia comes out. She says that she did do what um, he was suspicious of, but she acted uh, on Penguin's behalf so that he would not be brought down by Pax Penguina. But also Oswald says by rights he should kill her. Um, but because of how she acted and protected Martine from Professor Pig by mm-hmm. trying to stand up to to him uh, at the dinner table, that she has earned his respect. Yeah. Um, but a difficult thing to do with Penguin as well. Yeah, a very difficult thing to do. But ultimately, she steps over the mark one time too many, as Martine observes a little too much and reports back to Penguin. So I like that. I, I like the fact that. 
in this episode, Sophia's betrayal has been exposed. It's been rectified and has been sorted out on the basis of how she acted towards uh, Professor Pig and protected Martine. Mm-hmm. As w- and it's a new playing field for her and Oswald. But then immediately, her and Jim have been spotted kissing. And I loved how Oswald um, re- reacted to that in the back of his limousine. Um, you know, that, that sense of betrayal. Um, you know, he wouldn't give that, that option. He wouldn't give that leniency towards everyone. No. So I suspect now that Sophia is in big trouble and that, uh, the, the chickens coming home to roost that Harvey talks about, that that is most certainly going to come from Penguin on, on Jim Gordon yeah, uh, yeah. as Captain Jim Gordon of the GCPD. But I love this storyline through, um, through this episode. Yeah. So good. Yeah, absolutely. I love the fact that early on in the episode, Penguin is effectively saying he's going to kill whoever it is that put uh, Jim Gordon in this position as captain of the GCPD. So, uh, so when he finds out that it's Sophia, he's absolutely going to kill her. But then, as you say, lets her go only to be only to find out that she's still in a relationship with Jim. So yes, understandable that he'd be uh, a bit annoyed about that. Definitely. Um, really good stuff in this episode. Um, what was your Gotham moment of the week, John? For me, my moment of this week is Pig and his guests. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be the meat pie tango and Professor Pig at the dinner table with his guests at the charity fundraiser for the orphanage. Yeah. I think you here you really get a sense from the meat pie tango that uh, Michael Cervasis, who plays Professor Pig, has done Broadway. He won a Tony for Sweeney Todd. And this you can see in abundance how, how tuned in Professor Pig as a character is, how he's been written, works to um, an award-winning Broadway art actor um, who has done a very similar role before. I absolutely loved him in this. I thought he gave so much terror, so much pain. He is uncompromising as much as mm-hmm. Penguin. And Jimmy Gordon is his muse. Yeah, I really like this, I must say. I knew I knew there was a musical number coming up in the show, and I was expecting something like they did on Flash or on Supergirl or over on Buffy many years ago where it was some external force forcing somebody to sing. I liked that this was just a tape deck that Pig arrives with and plays a song as he sings to the tape deck and then presses stop when he wants the music to finish. Uh, I liked that it wasn't some kind of musical moment. I don't like musical episodes if they come out of somewhere that uh, that that doesn't make sense for the show. So um, so this made sense in here. Uh, really good moment with, with Pig and his guests. Character of the week. I think we've got to give a bit of a shout out to, uh, to Officer Harper in the episode. As I said, seeing a competent member of the GCPD working with Jim Gordon, it's been years since that's happened it's always been on jim's shoulder to solve everything while the rest of the gcpd kind of mop it up and investigate it having in the gcpd headquarters we now have lucius fox who's very competent at his work that's that's going on in there but actually having another officer on the streets with jim who's really competent is kind of cool to see yeah i mean it reminds me of um season one with the mcu the of uh, Detective Allen and Montoya. Mm. Were they helped out, Jim, in season one, uh, escaping from Zaz in, in the GCPD? Mm-hmm. You know, certainly towards the 
end of the first half of Gotham, they had really come into a significant part of the storyline and it was really, uh, really good to see. And so it's great seeing Officer Harper. I would also give a shout out to Martine, our triangle player as well. I think he's been brilliant uh, playing Martine. Such a great little character here in Gotham with Penguin. Um, I'm really enjoying it. And I hope he sticks around for a long time because I think Martine is, is a little star of this show uh, working with Penguin. Absolutely. Yeah, there's some rumors and some speculation on Twitter that this could be Emperor Penguin, which is a very similar version of a character like Penguin. So uh, we will watch and see definitely. John, how would you rate the episode for this week? For me, I would give this five Gotham meat pies out of five. Wow. Yeah, I really liked this this episode. I think at the center of it was Professor Pig. Um, and I loved the whole thing around, um, his continuing attack on Gotham and its elites. I thought the musical number was fantastic. Um, it's just a great evil personality within the Gotham universe. At the same time, I, I just absolutely loved the interaction between Penguin and Sophia and obviously with Martine in there as a third dimension to this. I just thought was done really, really well. Uh, you know, as well as Jim and Professor Pig, you know, constantly this game of cat and mouse chasing Professor Pig around Gotham. I thought at the start, the Harvey Jim piece was really just a great little conclusion to their really tortured um, storyline so far this season. And of course, with Bruce and Alfred equally as, as torturous to watch, uh, seeing these two solid, um, friends and characters this this guardianship almost just fall apart um from a really dismissive um bruce and of course i think that's great as much as i don't want to see it i think it makes it feel really real yeah um and i think this has been a fantastic episode of gotham yeah really good there were some great moments in this episode of gotham yeah, definitely. I think with that, onto some of our feedback. Uh, we received an email on episode eight from Monica Jones. So last week's episode, Monica goes, hi guys, favorite line of the episode could have sworn we had a job to do here. Couldn't bring myself to watch the first arm ripping shudder. Why are the bullets goals and clearly never fired? Are they representative of what they were shot with? I hated that Jim signed, but Harvey wasn't giving him any options. I'm thankful that at least Harvey's alive. So there's an opportunity for a redemption arc. Yeah, Monica. I, I must say, Monica, yeah, I was really scared that we were going to lose Harvey Bullock in the last episode as his, as his throat was cut. Uh, I thought that was a real surprising moment. Yeah, I'm really glad that he's here, though. Yeah, thank you, Monica, for, for the feedback. Anyone who wants to send feedback in through email, please send it into feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. And Monica, thank you so much for the birthday wishes that you emailed on to us. It's really nice of, it, nice of you. And hopefully you enjoy your 40th as it comes up next year. Yes, thank you, Monica, for the birthday wishes. Really nice of you. And yes, enjoy your 40th this spring. We also received a voicemail in from Claire Payne. You can leave us a voicemail if you want to go over to our website at gothamtvpodcast.com. There's a send voicemail button on there. You can record up to 90 seconds or do what Claire did and record two of them and we'll play both of them on the episode. Also, you can just record a message on your phone app and just email it to us at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com if you want to do that. Here's Claire. 
As a huge fan of musical theatre, I'm delighted to see references to a couple of great musicals, the first being Sweeney Todd and the other Chicago. The Cell Block Tango song is one of my all-time favourites, and how the writers of Gotham have changed the lyrics is excellent to make it the meat pie tango, and I'm sure I will be thinking about those lyrics when I go and see Chicago again next year. I would like to make the lyrics of this new version my lines of the week. I think the only thing that is a bit sketchy with Professor Pig is how the Pax Penguina has affected him personally, but I'm sure all will be revealed before the midwinter finale. I really loved how Pig didn't make Jim's first day as Captain easy. Thank goodness Detective Harper survived. Professor Pig is constantly surprising. Love him. The scene with Harvey and Jim was great, with Harvey asking Jim if, if he had shot Penguin at Pier would Gotham be different as Falcone would have still been in charge. I like Jim's honesty that he didn't regret and would not change his decision. Harvey still believing that Gotham is different to Jim's idealistic leadership is a great throwback to the pilot episode. I think Sophia would know that Oswald would work out that she helped Jim become captain. Her future plans are still not clear as I can't help think that Martine is still loyal to Sophia. I do find Sophia a confusing character but not in a bad way so it wouldn't surprise me if she was connected to Professor Pig somehow. Um, My character of the week is in fact two characters because of the scenes that they share. Um, My all-time favourite character Oswald and Martine. Um, The scene where Oswald is having Martine fitted for a suit and asks him to be his eyes and ears around Sophia as Oswald's as Oswald believes that they have become conspirators. Um, The scene in Oswald's car where Martine writes down that he saw Sophia kissing a policeman um, are both fantastic scenes. I was trying to avoid nominating Penguin as my character, but I really feel after the pie-eating drama, Penguin will be quite different. Um, Good to see Alfred telling Bruce how he met his father, and it was really good to see them both back this week. Um, and I think this is going to carry on into um, another great storyline with these two. Many thanks, Claire. Thanks for that, Claire. It'll be really interesting if you're at Chicago next year and you're singing along the Meat Pie Tango instead of the Cell Block Tango at, at, uh, at that show. Um, I'd say you'll get a few strange looks from people around you in the audience. Uh, thanks for the feedback. Really interesting concepts there about uh, Martine possibly still loyal to Sophia. That's an interesting idea, isn't it? Yeah, that would be interesting to see um, if that's the case. Mm. Um, it kind of looks like it's been set, what might happen, but maybe this is just um, continual toing and froing between these two as to who gets the upper hand. Perhaps. And maybe Sophia is still very much in the game, so we'll have to see. Yeah, I completely forgot to mention this. I really agree with you on Harvey's questions about would Gotham be different and, and the difference in style that Jim has brought and has it really made any difference? And of course, it's gotten continually worse. So, um, who knows? But, it, you know, I really like that callback to the pilot, as you yeah. say. So if he had shot Oswald then, there would have been no penguin and whether Falcone would be, have been still very much in charge of Gotham. It's the big question of the show, isn't it? It's that big moment of decision. And it's why it was in the pilot episode for Jim to make that decision whether to kill Oswald or not. Uh, it's an interesting concept from Harvey. It's not just Penguin in this city. He's not the only one that's caused everything in this city. So um, I'm not sure about that. 
you definitely wouldn't have Pax Penguina. You definitely wouldn't have Penguin the Mayor uh, without, obviously, a penguin. But uh, but lots of other things happen in the city um, with Rachel Ghoul, with uh, Court of Owls, with, even with Ed becoming the Riddler. All of those things would probably have happened without Oswald Cobblepot. So uh, it's an interesting question, though. I really like that moment. Yeah, and I like the idea that Sophia could be working with Professor Pig, actually. Certainly, it would link into Pig's complete... Um, sort of attack of Penguin at that dinner table. Yeah. Um, and as you say, Oswald Cobblepot's um, response was so good, so over the top. I mean, Robin Lord Taylor, again, really being such a standout in this episode. Yes, if you don't start eating the pies, I will hunt you down and kill you to all of the uh, upper-class residents of, of Gotham was a really interesting moment. Is Sophia working for Pig? Yeah, I thought that was an interesting point. There is a moment early on in the episode when... Oswald says he can't make the dinner and Sophia says that would be a shame but there's a look in her eye that's been that's given that she had a plan for him that night and he had to be there at that dinner um I don't know whether it was a plan to help and benefit Oswald or whether the plan was that he had to be here for this uh, killing and this delivery of food to the citizens of Gotham that Penguin had to be there so does Sophia work for Pig or not we'll probably find out soon very interesting to see though yeah, and certainly as well, it might chime with the, the, the waiters who were there, where they were saying about, you know, we're all in on this. Our boss is definitely, um, up for, for, for the chaos you're about to provide here at this dinner table. So the waiter that Jim knocked out, um, it'll be interesting to see who are they linked to. Are they mafia people? You know, they seem fairly um, standard Gothamites in, in that sense, maybe working for Sophia or are they working for someone else? But there was a hint at a partnership there between Pig and their boss. Interesting. OK, I didn't catch that. I thought they were just working for Pig. Uh, he just found people to hire that would do this crazy, crazy deed. Uh, thanks so much for that feedback, Claire. It's really good to hear from you. Yeah, thank you so much for that, Claire. And um, we have another piece of email from Annalise. Wow, this episode had me feeling a mixture of emotions whilst watching it. I could say that this is due to me actually being on the set of two of the scenes. Cool. I will get to those at the end of my episode feedback from this episode, but I don't think that it, it quite is. Annalise goes on to say, I didn't think Pig could get any more amazing, but I was proven wrong. He not only wore a few different masks in the course of the episode... But we finally got the musical number that had been teased for weeks. I was only let down on how short it actually was. <laughs> I wondered how the Gotham version of the cell block tango would have continued had Sophia not rudely interrupted him. I love the nods to both Sweeney Todd and Chicago musicals in this episode. Uh, I know that Michael Severis was a part and won a Tony Award for his performance in Sweeney Todd on Broadway. That I also wonder if he was a part of the production of Chicago as well. Bruce being a rebellious teen was fine until he crossed the line near the end of the episode and told Alfred to clean up after his house party. The scene that I would nominate as my favourite would be a tiny one. The exposition shot of Oswald's car in front of Sophia's house, the orphanage. That was the last shot I saw filmed the night I was on location. 
The setup to that five sex was at least 45 minutes, and boy was that detail worth it. There were no leaves on the ground prior, and it had not rained, but the crew made it look as though it had. Cool. I also watched Pig getting arrested and thrown in the car while Jim was mobbed by reporters over and over from across the street. We could clearly hear Ben McKenzie delivering his line to the press. Watching this particular filming on September the 29th gave quite a few spoilers and some questions as to how we reached that point. Thank you so much for that feedback, Annalise. That's really good and great to hear you were on location there. And that must really make these scenes extra special. I agree with you totally. I think Professor Pig is amazing. Um, he is just like the best pork crackling you could wish for. <laughs> That's your favorite thing as well, John, isn't it? Mm, tasty <laughs> pork skin snacks. That, thanks so much for that feedback, Annalise. It must be really cool to be, be on the set, at least seeing some of the uh, filming, ex- external filming for the show. Uh, really cool stuff. Thanks for that. Over on our Facebook group, uh, Salim Akizler says, I must have missed something. Did Raish have a role in the killing of the Waynes? Was it that he pulled the strings on the Court of Owls who were pulling the strings on Mario Pepper? But there was also that other guy that Bruce Wayne went and confronted but couldn't kill. I've kind of lost track of the murder of Bruce Wayne's parents. There's a reason why you've lost track, Salim. There's been loads of clues and loads of identities given for the Wayne murderers. Yet Raish has an involvement but he wasn't the one that ordered the killing. The Court of Owls were the ones that had hired the murderer of Bruce Wayne's parents. Mario Pepper was not the murderer. He was framed for the murder. And that's why Ivy was out on the streets, because her father was killed. But it all came down to the Court of Owls. The reason why the Court of Owls had been killed was because Race didn't agree with the murder of Bruce Wayne's parents. So there's there's the kind of connection. Would that be a, a summation, John? Would that yeah, be a definitely. Yeah. Jason Wiley also uh, commented on our Facebook group. He goes, Hello, cannibals. Another macabre episode exploring the weird underbelly of Professor Pig. That table scene reminding me of something out of the Hannibal film. Mm. I thought it went by pretty fast. Nice to see the press thanking Jim. Does that mean that they see him as a saviour now? Martine was adorable in that tux as a mini penguin with the funky hairstyle. Overall, a pretty good episode, but was definitely a filler leading up to the wartime episode next week before the mid-season finale. Oh, Jason, I can't agree with you on it being a filler episode. I think a lot of things moved on there uh, with Professor Pig crescendoing to his capture. Mm. Um, I think with Sophia, Penguin and little Martine... Uh, really, it's finishing off that smoke and mirrors element of that storyline for sure, where it really is now setting Penguin up against Sophia. Um, unless she pulls out, as I say, another trick from inside her handbag. Um, who knows? But I think this is where we see them come together with all the cards on the table yeah. at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that, Jason. Uh, Charlotte Bain also comments on Facebook. She says, Pig is a true psycho. He's supposed to be killing crooked cops, but he killed and chopped up the organs of the homeless. Jim handled Pig and served him. Boom, boom. Oswald cares about for Martine. He screamed at Jim about not wanting Pig to kill Martine. Oswald made sure he grabbed him to safety. 
Oswald forgave Sophia's betrayal and said to her not to do it again. She told him there's nothing between her and Jim, but Martine saw them and noted to Oswald about the kissing. Not good. Oswald is seething revenge. I'm excited about this awesome episode. Can't wait for the two weeks to be up for episode 10. Yeah, Oswald had some great moments in here, and I love his little protege. Uh, really cool with Martine. Shania Williams had an interesting discussion over on our Facebook group. Um, she was just saying, Bruce is such an ungrateful child to me. What does everyone else think? I understand that you're losing yourself, but to take it out on someone who, who stayed with you, not because he had to, but because he wanted to, is awful. Charlotte Bain responded with, he's so horrible to Alfred, left him in the woods and told him to clean up. He's the butler. Uh, Karen Herning Papa says... He was awful to Alfred, but in some ways, I think this is the most normal teenage behavior we've ever seen. You know, I totally agree with, with Karen on this as well. And I, I totally get what you're saying, Shania. Bruce is terrible, ungrateful child, but he is still a child. Well, not really. He's a teenager. He's having that rebellious moment or tantrum like you'd have as a three-year-old, but he's in the body of an adult. So he thinks he can do whatever he wants to, especially with the billions and billions of dollars that he has behind him. Uh, he doesn't want to listen to Alfred just telling him the way to, the way to live his life. He wants to live it himself and make his own mistakes now. It's an awful thing to, to watch. But I've seen it with with uh, teenagers that I've been around. I'm sure I made had these moments with my parents when I was a kid too. Yeah, great uh, little discussion point you raised there, Shania, on, on the Facebook group. Um, I completely agree with both of you. I think he is both ungrateful and spoilt, and that is something that can happen to any any child. Um, for sure. And in some ways, I think it's good to see that kind of behavior. It, you know, yes, it's a very special setup. Him being Bruce Wayne billionaire orphan child but also he's going through normal teenage behavior so to see him interact like that but he's also got billions and a butler is is really good to see what makes it dreadful and awful is absolutely how ungrateful he is to the person who has looked after him and been his guardian um, and in fact it, it's really strange that he isn't cut up by the fact that he stabbed Alfred um, yes he killed Rachel Ghoul and no he didn't kill Alfred but he almost killed Alfred mm. um, so it's interesting that it is coming purely from the death of Rachel Ghoul and it will be interesting to see what happens you know is Rach actually dead given um, that little transfer of light to Barbara Keane of course yes so let's see what that was yeah. I really uh, understand where everyone's coming from here I, I think it is both um you know normal in inverted commas although if that is normal teenage behavior god help parents and i'm glad i'm not one of them yep. um and secondly um it is also quite horrible and ungrateful from master bruce uh to um treat alfred in that way but i'm sure it will all rectify itself Absolutely. Thanks so much for all of the feedback. If you want to come and join us over in our Facebook group, you can join us at facebook.com slash groups slash Gotham TV podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're over on Twitter at Gotham TV podcast. We try and live tweet the episodes as much as we possibly can as well. Uh, and as I said earlier on, if you want to email us any feedback, just email us at feedback at Gotham TV podcast.com. And of course, there's all those social media platforms to go on, but one of the most important is to come on over and listen and subscribe rate, review, and leave feedback on our podcast over at Apple Podcasts at gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes. You can go onto Google Play and do the same or any other good or evil podcast catcher uh, that you choose to listen 
Gotham TV podcast through. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be back with Gotham Season 4, Episode 10, Things That Go Boom, which airs on the 30th of November. And with that week break, we will cover the Justice League movie. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to see Justice League, let us know your thoughts. Just pop us an email to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. We're hoping to give it a bit of space, let people go and see it uh, so we don't spoil anybody on the episode. And that will be perfect in our little break. Um, the final episode of this half season of Gotham will then air in December. Uh, and then we'll be on a, a, an indeterminately long break uh, after that. But, uh, but really enjoying doing these episodes each week. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's great speaking with you. And of course, we will be with you again next time. Bye. This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Renee Montoya on Gotham. Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Christmas Allen on Gotham. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor. I'm David Mazuz. Hey, Gotham TV podcast listeners. This is Maggie Gia, otherwise known as Poison Ivy. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV podcast.